Hey, it's Michael back to break down episode eight of Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters. Today, I was lucky enough to get to sit down with season three's Nick and Christine as we break down this amazing Lego 2K drive themed episode. Coming up next in your podcast feed, I'll have my exit interview with the team that went home this week. Plus, of course, I'll be back to break down the semifinals episode next Saturday with another panel of your favorite former Lego Masters. And if you want even more Lego fun, I'm breaking down the weekend Lego news over on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, every Saturday. But things are definitely heating up this season on LEGO Masters as we head into the final couple episodes. So be sure to stay tuned to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And with all that out of the way, here's our breakdown of episode eight. Well, there was just so many twists and turns on the racetrack and in the episode that I had to bring a panel together to help us sift through all the chaos. And, uh, you know, it was no better than bringing him back for his first episode recap, season three winner. He heard Stacy was on in one of our exit interviews, so he had to come on the podcast. It's Nick. Say hello to everyone, Nick. Oh, hello. It's so good to be here. Thanks for having me, Michael. Oh my gosh. The pleasure is, is firmly all mine. Uh, we're so excited to have you. And we're also excited to have, also from season three, we have Christine, also known as Tacos. Say hello to everyone. Hi, I jumped the gun, of course. I This is what I do. Okay, I'm awkward. I'm sorry. Hi, listen, what's up? <laughs> listen, this is exactly why we had you on the podcast. We wanted the authentic takes, the real, the real Christine, you know, to bring it on the podcast. So, um, well... This, you know, we obviously haven't caught up with the two of you. Nick, you know, you came from winning last season to then just being a spectator this season. How have you, what have you thought about this season so far? And what did you think about this episode? I, I think it's been really interesting kind of being on the on the other side of things after going through it. I feel like I can relate to a lot of the, um, you know, the challenges that the different teams run into. Um, and especially with this one, I think it was really interesting seeing a build not involving the brick pit. And I can only imagine the frustration of like <laughs> picking a build based off what you can very limitedly see from a distance of these vehicles and then getting to your bricks as you, you know, tear them down and kind of figure out what you got and be like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes they say constraints are good for creativity, but when you're used to having five million bricks at your fingertips, it must be quite challenging. But, you know, uh, Christine, what did you think about all this? I actually loved it. I, I... <laughs> I love this episode from beginning to the end. It was just, <laughs> actually, I like being limited on the amount of pieces. You know, it's like you give me a large menu. I'm not going to know. I'm a typical woman. You know, oh, baby, what do you want to What do you want to eat? What do you, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't. I have too many choices. Now <laughs> I'm forced to take the challenge and really use what's only available. So yeah. first, I love the idea. Yeah. I mean, this was definitely a unique one. And um, you, you know, we also haven't seen them jump into the gaming field. Obviously, you know, Nick, we know you're a notorious gamer, but we see Will playing video games at the start of the episode. And, he, mm -hmm. you know, when he stops, he says, Willie, the game goat out. Um, you know, this is a side <laughs> of Will we haven't seen yet. But, you know, they felt like the ultimate you know, challenge would be combining the worlds of gaming and Lego, you know, thanks to the help of Lego 2K games. Uh, and this was all about this brand new game, Lego 2K Drive. And I know that both of you have experience with this game. Um, but Nick, you know, do you, what did you think just about them doing this sort of a crossover? You know, this is sort of your crossover, the combination of like gaming and streaming and Lego. So what did you think about sort of the, the premise here? Yeah, no, I really, really love the premise. I think it's really, really exciting to kind of bring those two worlds together. I think a lot of people who are interested in Lego kind of have a bit of adjacentness to like, you know, being a gamer, like, you know, Lego, Lego, Lego builders are often known as nerds or geeks and gaming can <laughs> kind of fall into a similar class. So I think, I think we all get along really well. And I think they're, they're like a very similar type of creativity that goes into like the design of video games and the visuals of video games ties really 
like ties in really well with Lego. So I think, you know, especially a game obviously made about Lego is going to particularly blend well for a Lego Masters challenge. So I agree that the overall concept for what they were doing with everything is really fun. And uh, I hope they do more games of in the future, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost surprised we haven't seen a Minecraft challenge. I sort of feel like, you know, it's such a big mm -hmm. video game. It's a big Lego yep. theme. I sort of feel like if, there, if there's going to be another one, maybe it'll be that. Um, but you know, Will kicks off the challenge saying, you know, behind me, you'll see some beautiful sports cars and turbocharged watercraft inspired by the game. Each team will get to pick one race car and one water vehicle and will smash them together to create a brand new off-road remote control vehicle that you will then race. And, you know, we talked about it. You know, they said there's even they're going to make it even more difficult than your usual challenge because the brick pit is off limits. And you can only build with the bricks collected from your epic smash. So you want to pick the vehicles wisely. So Tacos, you know, you saw all the vehicles at the start. Obviously, the order was determined randomly. So you, so you may be like Lewis and Alex and not get to pick which ones. But if you had your pick of the vehicles, was there any two that stood out to you that maybe if it was you and Michelle, you would have gone for? Um, I really like that donut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I probably would have combined um, that, that red sports car with the donut. Mm -hmm. oh, why? I don't know why. Playing it somehow. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, you can't pick two cars, but I think those were both, oh, that's two, right, that's right. Those were both two good ones, at least. But yeah, I, I think it was very interesting to sort of see how everyone approached this. Um, you know, and, you know, I think the judges have been very poignant with their language kicking off these challenges. And, you know, J Jamie specifically said, and it almost feels like this was a foreshadowing to stuff we'll talk about later. But he said, you know, they need to be you need to put them together to become something different. Definitely not those vehicles that we gave you. It needs to be something new. And whatever that vehicle is, it needs to be strong because you're going to be racing around quite the bumpy, rugged terrain. So, Nick, you know, you were involved in the NASCAR challenge, which was also a little bit about right. building something moving around the track and strong. So what like, yeah. you know, if you're thinking about that, you know, what things are you keeping in mind? You know, you're given this RC base. You know, what things are you keeping in mind to make sure that you're honoring both the creativity of this challenge, but also the strength of this challenge? I think I definitely would have been uh, digging through the parts available, seeing what kind of Technic is available. Because when <laughs> it comes to strength, of course, Technic is the king for, for Lego. Um, and then I think I just, yeah, would have been making sure to stay away as far as possible from the original subject matter. Um, cause yeah, I, I do, I, I did also feel that Jamie made it very clear at the beginning. Like we want something different. Like we don't want any, <laughs> anything close to what you have, especially because you're limited to the colors that were in the original builds, even a vaguely similar shape, even if you didn't intend for it to look similar, I think it's really hard to remove what people have already put in their heads from the original thing. Um, so yeah, definitely, you know, was all about kind of finding a very interesting, unique way to take all the different parts you have, turn them into something new, which I think ties in very well to the game, especially now that the game's out and, you know, some of us have gotten played and stuff. Um, that's very much like what you see in the world of the game as well. So um, I think they did a good job kind of targeting that with this challenge. Perfect. Well, the other thing, though, that they explain is that the best looking off-road vehicle will win an advantage, the chance to start in the pole position for the race. And I only know what the pole position means because I watched the NASCAR challenge last season. Um, I'm not a race racing person. So that, that had no meaning to me until I heard it last season. But essentially what that means is that they'll get to start in the first slot. So obviously not everyone can start sort of evenly. Otherwise, I think it would just be a hot mess, which maybe it ended up being anyway. But uh, when you kick things off, you sort of have to be in this staggered positioning. Um, but, you know, when you're trying to think about the aesthetics of this challenge, you know, Christine, what do you think? like helps a build stand out in a challenge like this when you're when you're trying to win that pole position for aesthetics well once again this is a family show this is lego 
this is a video game, so we can't take it too seriously. So I think doing something bold, something completely different, um, will definitely help you stand out. From the beginning, when you first were presented with these choices, you know, you had a banana, you had a boat. Uh, I'm sorry, you had a, a a donut vehicle. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. these were completely out of the box kind of things. So I think it's I think only right to do some kind of justice to not recreate a vehicle that's you know that you see on the road every day. You know, giant Oscar Meyer Wiener thing that that would be entertaining to see. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we definitely don't want to see someone be be like, okay, our final build is a Toyota Camry uh, from 1994. Um, You know, I think that's not probably what they're going for. So I definitely think you're right. And I think that's like good advice, I think, for any challenge is, as I always say, like, I think the people who often win are the people who said, okay, this was the challenge. How do I have the most fun with the challenge? You know, how do I like take it sort of to the funnest, most extreme place? And I think you're you're often really rewarded um, because, you know, that is what Lego is about. Like you're saying it, it and video games, too. It's about play, like whether you're playing a video game or you're playing with Lego bricks. And, you know, that's, I think, what they really wanted to see. But let's talk about sort of the, the boats and the cars that were mashed up. So the order was selected randomly. Nina and Sam went first with the donut car and the crocodile boat. Then we had Emily and Kelly with the banana car and the pontoon boat. And then Paul and Neolita had the white sports car, which... If you're a Speed Champions fan, I think, Nick, you like the Speed Champions line. Mm. That was a Lamborghini mm-hmm. Countach. Uh, that, that's, oh, it screamed it. it. Yeah. Screamed it. <laughs> um, and then the brown boat. And then for Christopher and Robert, they had the blue hot rod and the black grave boat. And Lewis and Alex, their red race car, another Speed Champion. It looked like the Ferrari Competizione Speed Champions car and mm-hmm. uh, the sub sandwich. So obviously like a lot of craziness, but we also saw them smash them all together you know, when the first cars get smashed, everyone's chanting, smash, smash, smash. And then the car gets just like flung into the boat. And we saw some pretty entertaining smashes. You know, Nick, what stood out to you? And and my only thought was some of the pieces could get dented. And then they're like, they're taking away pieces that you could potentially build with. Did that did that cross your mind? You know, actually not until you said it, but then as you did, I'm like, oh yeah, like some pieces could have gotten damaged there. That would have been so frustrating if like, a valuable piece for your build like you go to work with it and you're like oh no this is not going to stay on the build like and actually that's similar to the nascar challenge in that brendan crashed our go-kart and caused some damage to our cart so we actually had gone through that but it, it didn't seem like it ended up affecting any teams or at least they didn't show that it did so yeah hopefully everybody's pieces were in good shape <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think the crashes are always entertaining and I sort of like it liked it here. What was more in the setup of the challenge versus at the mm-hmm. end of the challenge, you know, which we don't normally see. But it is always entertaining um, when something goes wrong. And so when Lewis and Alex's red race car and sub sandwich were getting combined, we see the red car just fly off the side of the table. It like it just it was a total whiff uh, and and Will had to play it off in a funny way. Yeah, it was really funny. And I, I do think it was nice um, for once to kind of get some of the excitement that we expected and at, at the end of a challenge at the start of an episode, like really good way to build some hype and excitement for more of the crashing that we were probably going to expect to see later. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think that when you're thinking about, to your point, producing an episode, you want to have like these fun, exciting moments at the start, the middle, the end. Um, and so, yeah, I think this was like a much, it was much more of like a unique kickoff to a challenge that, that we, than we've seen. Um, but, you know, they were only given eight hours. And so, you know, cr- you know, we've seen 10 hours on this in this season. We've seen eight hours. We really they're really kind of keeping it towards the lower end of the spectrum that we've seen throughout the you know various seasons. But eight hours really isn't a lot of time, you know, so 
you know, you're, you're already constrained. You're already trying to do so much. You're building on a base you've never built on. So like Christine, like how do you kick this off knowing time is short and you need to like arrive at your idea fast? Uh, well, if you see me, if you've seen season three, you've seen me crash and burn when it comes to coming up with an idea <laughs> right away. They want to know what your idea is. And once again, your, your, your biggest challenge is going up against the clock. So I, <laughs> right away, you want to think of being aerodynamic, you know what I mean? So yeah. I think that kind of plays a toll on the theme of what you're going with. As you can see, some, some teams actually experience a little bit of difficulty because of that and that, take it from there. I, I yeah. keep about, you know, for the physics behind it and then adding the aesthetics after. Very true. Very true. Well, you know, we also had a twist midway through the challenge. So let's talk about it now. And, you know, Will says, there's a twist. Stop the clock. And he says, thanks to 2K Games, the winning car today will do more than just drive their teams into the semifinals. It'll keep on driving forever as a playable vehicle in LEGO 2K Drive. And so, you know, not only is the winner of the entire season going to have their build as a set, as an official set, but also now this you know, winner of this challenge is going to have their build as an official car in the game. You know, Nick, I know you've built some cars for the game, you know, in, in kind of partnership with um, the team behind it, but you know, what would this mean to you to have you, one of your builds as like an official playable car in the game? Yeah, I, th I think it was uh, very much to what uh, what Chris had said in the episode or Christopher um, that like, you know, we grow up playing these games and it's like, oh, imagine how cool it'd be to have my build in the game. And then like they literally present people with the opportunity to do that. So I think it's obviously extremely exciting to, to have the opportunity. And I think it's some great motivation as well, especially kind of halfway through the challenge. You might kind of sometimes need a little extra kick or boost of energy to push <laughs> you through those final few hours. So I think that was a, a nice, rather than being a twist that really kind of hurts you, it actually sort of was a twist that almost helps you because it gives you motivation. I love that. And we do we did hear Christopher say in this moment, this is certainly the most exciting prize we've ever heard of on any season of Lego Masters. And I said to my to myself, what about the hundred thousand dollars? Christine, what do you think? I mean, obviously having your build in a video game is pretty cool, but I think the hundred thousand dollars might be pretty even cooler. Hey, well, he's accomplished. Christopher has accomplished a lot. Let's just say it. <laughs> so this is kind of like the apex for him. This is like the best, you know, for him to actually share that this is more, you know, valuable than the actual final prize really says a lot about who he is and his values. And his appreciation towards Lego and gaming and all this combined, I think it's just, it was actually really heartwarming. You know, he's known as, he's become like villainized in the series, in this season. Yeah. But that right there kind of shines like a different light on him. So it was actually really cool. I agree. I agree. Well, why don't we jump into the build phase and let's talk about Christopher and Robert. So their build was the flaming or the fantastic flaming Sharkatron. And, you know, we, we saw a lot of, you know, kind of silly bits with Chris throughout the season. but. The one, one of the ones we saw in this one was that they were, uh, Will was sort of caution taping off the brick pit to make sure that nobody went in. And he says, you know, I've got trust issues. And Will goes on to say, everyone knows why I'm doing this. And Emily says, Christopher. And then Will's like, yeah, Christopher. And so, you know, Nick, what have you thought about, you know, this sort of villainous persona that we've seen from Chris? Because I, I think you know him like through the creator community. Like, what do you think about this? I, I really think he's just having a blast with, you know, this this thing they've pinged him with or pegged him with. <laughs> um, you know, like they put they put this villain jacket on him and he is wearing it comfortably and he's wearing it while having as much fun as possible. Um, I, I admittedly have found it a little entertaining seeing that some people online are <laughs> taking it very personally that he's being so mean and villainous. 
But like, I, I think it's very obvious that he's just having a blast with it. Um, it's not every day you kind of get to be told like, hey, can you be like ridiculous and silly and like, you know, and embrace a side of you that you wouldn't be allowed to normally in society. <laughs> so I, I think it was, it's been a ton of fun to see that. And just the different ways that he finds to kind of incorporate it into each challenge, I think is almost like a challenge of his own, like for every episode that he's kind of taken on. So I've, I've been having a ton of fun seeing him just go, go <laughs> ham on it. Well, and also, even if he doesn't choose to do it, someone pimps him into doing it, you know? So, you know, we see later that season, or we see um, when they're testing the cars, and, you know, Emily's testing her car, kind of going slow and steady. And Christopher, you know, comes around with his car. And Emily's like, Christopher, do not come near me. And Chris, you know, gets into his evil laugh. And uh, we hear a quote from him in like his confessional saying, we always get joy out of tormenting Emily and Kelly, especially Emily. And she seems particularly afraid of our car. So by all means, we will double down. You know, Takos, what did you think about sort of this uh, this playful tormenting uh, during the testing phase of the build? <laughs> OK, so <clears throat> Nick and I, we have a history or I, I, I you won't see this kind of personality come out of me uh, on film. But we do these buzz builds and I, I take so much pride in sabotaging. I absolutely <laughs> love I'm in love. I'm in love with Christopher's you know, uh, sabotage, like personality. I, I absolutely love it. And hearing uh, the shrill voice of Emily, <laughs> like you even seen Sam and Nina laughing <laughs> in the interview room. That to me, I was dying. My daughter, we were dying. My daughter was like upset at the fact that Chris, she's like, it's time for him to go home. Like she was defending <laughs> Emily. She was defending Emily and Kelly. But just seeing Christopher, just his maniacal laugh, I think meant everything. This is like exactly what the season needed. Yeah, it's a listen. I think to Nick's point, it's at least entertaining. And if you and if you take it for what it's worth, which is it's probably a bit, I think yeah. it is entertaining. Um, but, you know, one other challenge we saw from Christian and Robert was, you know, they were going for a very unique shape. They were building this shark car. There was the jaw. There's only so many pieces to attach things that you know, kind of uh, what ref what Christopher refers to as a really robust angle. And, uh, you know, and so it's one of those things where when they actually are testing it down, uh, testing it, Christopher lays down to be like a speed bump for Robert as he's driving it. And the jaw actually pops off. And, you know, they said, you know, we don't have a lot of pieces left. And so I think like this is one of those um, like risk reward moments. And so like, Nick, as you're thinking through like the premise of this challenge in your like in Christopher and Robert's shoes, like, aesthetics earns you the pole position but if you're if your car if the majority of it doesn't cross the finish line you you can't win so how do you like what, what's the goldilocks balance or or do you think you know like uh we saw like in the roller der or the the uh, derby challenge uh in season two you know mark and steven went purely for aesthetics they knew it wasn't strong because it earned them an advantage. So I don't, how do you balance these things when you're when you're when there's two components to a challenge? Yeah, I think you just got to decide what feels like most important to you. I do think this challenge is more unique in that because you're limited on parts as well. Like you might just have to embrace the fact that you can't make it as strong as you could otherwise. So might as well lean into the aesthetics and the fun of it. And 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 like uh, like Christopher did as we'll, as we'll see a little bit later. You know, he kind of makes makes it part of the story for why the build might fall apart, right? Like sometimes you have to justify things to yourself like, oh yeah, I didn't make it as strong as I could. Well, but it was on purpose, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, he definitely did. Well, why don't we move on to Lewis and Alex? Um, they had the car, the Croquetta Mover. And, um, you know, I love that they were leaning into their heritage. You know, he says, what about something Cuban? Oh, we could do croquetas. And we we learn about it. I, I you know, obviously I, I've never had one. So this was you know another educational moment for me. 
Um, you know, a cu- it's a Cuban treat that's deep fried and made up with some ground ham. But, you know, there's uh, there's definitely some rules about how you're supposed to do this or not. Um, you know, Alex's family likes to eat it, eat them with ketchup. And Lewis went on to say that is not common. A lot of Cubans would have a heart attack when they when they would see ketchup on a croquetta. And he said, um, uh, ketchup, he said, we usually we usually top it with lemon and not ketchup. He says ketchup is a crime his family commits, which I really loved. But tacos, what did you think about all this? Like, you know, I love that we had them making, you know, coffee in one episode. Now they're talking about the way they, they take their croquetas. I mean, it's it's great when you see people put their real personality into these challenges. Uh, I'm hungry every time. Every time Louis <laughs> starts to talk, I'm hungry. Like, I want to go, go get croquetas. Croquetas. I'm I'm Dominican. We're Caribbean. So Caribbean, we're like sister country. So that's how I view it. <laughs> I just want to go and get some, honestly. Every time. Like I I actually looked up because I watched the episode today. I looked up croqueta recipes. I was like, oh my gosh, I need some now. So yeah. I'm, I'm super happy. Super happy every time you talk. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, and the other thing though is that, you know, their main challenge though in the build was you know, the the way that they were building things, it was really top heavy. And they were given some feedback from Jamie. You know, he says, how do you feel about driving this? Because I just want to remind you that the course is very wild. If you have a lot of weight too high up, it's going to want to throw you beyond where you can control. And, you know, they went on to say, um, you know, sort of like, we think our driving will be good enough. Like they sort of felt like they could, you know, make up for it. But Nick, you know, it's tough because this is probably a decent ways into the challenge. So, so, you know, fixing it entirely would have probably involved, like we saw Allison and Melanie last challenge, tearing things apart. You know, what do you do in this moment? You know, when you're given a piece of feedback that you want to take because you want to listen to the judges, but it'd be very challenging to take. Yeah, sometimes you're you're at it, you're a little too far in that you just kind of have to commit to what you have and hope that you can find other ways to work around it. I do also have a feeling they probably had not seen the track like before the challenge was over. So it's likely <laughs> that they imagined, you know, oh, if they're building a track for this, like it can't be that crazy, right? And even I will say, well, like when when the track was revealed, it was pretty wild how you know bumpy and adventurous it was. Let's say, um, so yeah, I I do think it's one of those things where maybe if they had more information, they might have actually attempted to pivot and adjust their build a little bit more. But given the information that they had on hand, um, you know, I think they made kind of the best decision they could in that they just kind of stuck with what they had and hoped that they could kind of work around that with their driving skills. Yeah, and especially with eight hours, like you know, like maybe even in a 10 hour build, you'd have a chance to pivot. Mm-hmm. But in eight hours, you probably don't even have the luxury to pivot if you wanted to. Um, but it, it's yep. a tough like, you know, like, a, you know, should you shouldn't you? And so you, you got to make a call. And uh, I, I will also throw like, you never really know also when Jamie and Amy might be hitting a team throughout a challenge. I think that's something that the viewers often forget is sometimes you, you know, maybe get a little unlucky and you're actually the last team to get a check in with Amy and Jamie. So more time on the clock has gone by for any of the, than any of the other teams have. So when they come to you with feedback, you might be beyond the point of, you know, really being able to make an adjustment. And that's something really important to keep in mind too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know we talk about that a lot on the podcast because to your point, you don't get to see that on the show. Um, and, and that is very challenging. But we did see another check-in that the judges did with Emily and Kelly. Um, they were really struggling. You know, they had this great B concept, but they didn't have the pieces to sort of go with it. That pontoon boat, um, you know, Kelly says, we chose the gray pontoon boat because it was the biggest and there was lots of pieces to choose from, but it's mostly gray plates. And so they struggled to make it sort of that rounded B shape that they wanted to. And Amy reminds them, you know, this is not a bumblebee or a car. It's a bumblebee meets car. 
And she doesn't want them to get too tied down for like what it needs to look like. And, you know, I think that sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Tacos, like around like, you know, it doesn't have to be a certain type of car. It could be a car that's never existed. And so you have to sort of like leave yourself free to to give into the process in that sort of way. You know, what, what's your thoughts about just sort of this struggle that they went through and, and how do you like break out of that? Things are supposed to go a certain way. Shell. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to get certain ideas out of your head once you've already decided, especially by the time the judges came over their build was mostly done from what it looked like. Um, it's kind of hard to turn away from that. Um, but from their feedback, you know, there was a little bit of a relief, which was actually awesome. You know, it had a great little face. It was adorable. I remember my daughter like ooing and eyeing over <laughs> it. So it was really cute um, to how to take that feedback. It's kind of hard. Once again, you know, you get so stuck, but those are times that you kind of have to just, you sometimes, you can't always, if you're so far into a build, depending on how much time you have left, you may have to just continue making it more aesthetically beautiful um, versus changing your direction completely. So yeah. I know they asked them to, to just have an influence of a bumblebee, but not actually turn it into, which was, you know, a relief. Well, and like, you know, obviously <laughs> the judges are sort of like the parents on the show. And at least if you're like me, you want to make your parents happy. You want to do well in school. You know, like you really just don't want to disappoint them, let alone they are the people deciding your fate in the competition. And yeah. so I think like in some ways they sort of had permission from their parents if it didn't, if it wasn't shaped like a bee, you know, it's sort of like, hey guys, like, it's okay. We just want you to have fun. It doesn't matter if it looks like a bee. Um, yeah. You know, we're, it's going to come through. And I feel like sometimes that permission, to your point, creates that relief for them that they were really needing. There was, it almost seemed as if there was a little bit of grace there with their, yeah. with their build specifically. So, yeah. And it makes you wonder, like, Nick, do you think like, you know, you talked about this a little bit, but because there is those parts constraint, do you feel like if it wasn't the perfect car or the color combination wasn't perfect or whatever it might be, that the judges would be understanding of that because you picked, you know, the 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 donut colors and then the green crocodile colors like that's all you had like sure the pink would have looked cuter with purple but there was no purple and so i feel like the judges were probably taking some of that into consideration oh yeah oh yeah it's, it's definitely like i think it, it's always interesting to to realize that the judges are always watching everything so they're like you know studying the parts that you have available like they might not be on set doing that but they're they're watching on all the cameras kind of seeing all the teams strategize and go about their thing. So that's why they cannot sometimes get lucky and come in with a very targeted bit of feedback that might actually help snap a team into a better direction and kind of wait get get them out of a trance or out of a flow that they were stuck in and uh, help them, you know, kind of pivot a little bit and even just their approach for how they're already doing their build. And, and yeah, that can be huge. So I, I do think it's really, really nice when they they understand that you're going through a struggle. And I, and I think like any Lego builder, you know, if you've never worked with a limited set of pieces before and you're told to do something really creative, that can be a, a, a big like challenge in general. So I, I definitely think they're very understanding of that. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, it's sometimes good to put ourselves in the judge's shoes in that sort of way. And there was another person that was trying to put herself in someone else's shoe which was Emily. Uh, she was, you know, sort of trying to take Will's job. You know, Will came over and was doing his bit. She, she kind of called him out that he does the same thing every time. And so when it came to a check-in with Will and Nina and Sam, you know, Will was like, oh, I forgot, Emily, you wanted to do the check-ins for me. Um, and Emily comes over. She's like, I didn't want to. You asked me to. And Emily, like, immediately snaps into it. She's like, so tell me, guys, what, do you, what are you doing today? 
And um, she goes, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Uh, and she's doing these like hilarious gestures, like with her arms clasping her hands. And then uh, she says, wow, that sounds really lame. Good luck to you guys. And, you know, all I could think of is that you know, first of all, Emily, what a character. Like, you know, I've met her in person. She's such a sweetheart, but she's really fun on the show. But I also had the thought, you know, she might be kind of having this frustration with Will, not because she doesn't want this like cam on camera time, but because it's taking away from her building time. So, you know, Taco's like, like, what is that element like? Because that's probably an element that we that us at home don't always get. But like any time that you're, you know, kind of chit-chatting with the judges with Will, you know, if, if you're doing push-ups on the ground like we saw this season or whatever it might be, it does come at the expense. So how do you balance both, you know, listen, you're on a TV show and you want it to be on a TV show. So you want to you want to get that experience, but you don't want to not make it to the next episode. Yeah. So uh simply enough, so he's the entertainer. He's the talent. He is the host. So it's kind of like Will's show. So with Michelle and I, I basically taught her, I was like, all right, you know, you gotta kind of entertain him. You know, it's kind of like, you know, distracting a child away from looking at a candy shop <laughs> as you're walking by. You know, you need to have something, you know what I mean? But you need to build at the same time. So, yeah, being able to, uh, Kelly knows how to work with her hands. So Emily was a really good target, I think, at that. You know, that's just the best opportunity right there. Just Emily can just go and entertain. So <laughs> or having some kind of strategy to multitask of building and talking at the same time, which is not easy. Yeah. I know um, when in my postseason interview with Boone and Mark, that's how what they said is that Boone would entertain Will and Mark can like throw more bricks per minute than anyone. And so he would just sit in the back, like just like building their giant, you know, uh, mega city, you know, skyscraper or whatever it might be while, you know, Boone would sing a song or do something else to entertain Will. So I do think you probably should go into the season ready for who's going to be the one to entertain Will. I think that if, if you haven't thought about that, that you should be doing that in your hotel room, you know, before the first challenge. I think that that's a good strategy to have here. Um, but it was very fun to see. And then the other team I want to talk about was Paul and Nilita. You know, we didn't get a ton of them this episode, but what we did, um, you know, was we heard them sort of like coming off of this, you know, of, of a win and doing well in the last challenge. And, you know, Jamie goes on to say, uh, or Amy says, you two are definitely coming together as a team. But Jamie goes on to say, but I just, but it's just to say, I'd like to push you even further. And so that's the hard part of sometimes about doing well is then it only raises the judges expectations of you. So Nick, like, you know, you, you won challenges, you know, on your season, like, like, what do you do when you're like, it's fun to have that talk? Like, yeah, we did win last challenge, but now, you know, the stakes are even higher. Yeah. I think, I think it's good to try to not let that get to you too much and just like focus on like, okay, what was it before we even won the challenge that like got us to the place where we did, it was like, we were having fun. We had a concept we both loved. Like, you know, we, we, we landed on something that we wanted to build and we're really excited about building. And that's what helped get us to winning the challenge. So rather than thinking all oh, the stakes are raised, we should go a little bit harder, which I, I might even say me and Stacey did a few times throughout our season and, <laughs> you know, uh, suffered some uh, close calls along the way for it. Um, you know, it's, it's good to keep in mind, like, what was it that actually led you to have success with the challenge and just focus on those core things and don't let the fact that you did end up winning one distract you from kind of sticking to what was working. Yeah, I, I think that's that's great advice, because I think to your point, like it was like uh, every challenge is really its own challenge. And I think, you know, Nick, like I think it was somewhat never more emblematic in your season with you and Stacy, because you'd have challenges where you're on top, then you were in the bottom two, you know, like three or four times. And so I think a lot of people were so confused in some ways about how sometimes you could like seemingly squeak along. But I think it does go to show that every challenge is its own challenge. 
and that you have you have the, just the same chance of doing well or or struggling with the particular prompt or how the build went or whatever it is. So you sort of have to treat each challenge as its own new thing. It you know it's either your chance to to do it all over again and, and get it right or to avoid things that would put you in the bottom. So I think it is one of those things where you you can't let any of that get to your head. The only way you can like get to your head is when you win the whole the whole darn thing. Um, but uh, but but before then, you know, you, you've got another challenge to do. But the other thing we saw is you know Jamie was starting to call out that. Um, you know, he was using, Paul had put those lifesaver elements on the side of his build, which reminded Jamie of the other build with the bumpers on the side of the boat. And so it was, they, they challenged them to, first of all, get rid of those. And I love that Paul, immediately after they leave, he says, so let's take those off. They didn't like these at all. I really thought that was a funny line. Uh, but the other thing is that Amy wanted them to extract more of the line pieces that they were given to let that be a more prominent creative element. And I feel like, you know, Tacos, you and Michelle always had a really strong sense of color in your builds. And, you know, I think, you know, like, do you think that all teams, especially when you have a constrained amount of parts, you need to think sort of like, what are my hero parts that that give me a chance to make this thing aesthetic? And and how and how how do you think these teams should have been going about it? It's a hard question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh yeah. Uh so I think I think it was Christopher and Robert that started knowing. I think that's the first time we've seen anyone null on the show for the record. And I thought that was actually a really good idea. Highlighting those neon pieces would have been perfect. You look at Tron, Tron is all like randomly Tron. The theme is all black. <laughs> you have these thin neon, you know, elements that really make it stand out. You could really make a bold statement. So yeah, I think um, focusing on how can you uh, add value to those, you know, very limited pieces like the line pieces and making that your focal point, you know, I, that's that's all I could think of. First yeah. start off with knowing that way you know what it is that you have and then, yeah, trying to find a theme based on that. Yeah, and, and for those who don't know, knowing is like when you set out all the pieces and you sort them. So you've got like all your two by sixes and usually it's about sort of the aesthetic present presentation of it. Like I do this when I build certain sets where like I'll have all my, you know, two by four bricks lined up in a beautiful row. You know, I've got the three purple ones then the two blue ones or whatever it is. So I think, you know, if you're if you're a hardcore or a high OCD builder like me, then you, you're already used to that sort of thing. But I think it is important to sort of have a lay of the land and know I only have two of these. Or if I have three of these, I, you know, I can't, I have to think about how I can make this symmetrical if I only have three of them. Those sort of things, I think, was probably, um, you know, one of the most important steps. And, you know, I don't know if you noticed any of this, Nick, but it did seem like every build did have sort of even some of the same parts, some of these sort of like unique detailed pieces, like those hoses we saw in a few different builds. Like, do you think that, I'm curious, sort of, uh, I wonder if it was Nathan Sawaya's team or whoever built those initial cars and boats, but, you know, even colors were hidden in, inside when we, we saw them when they crashed. Do you think that there was, that they were trying to say, well, we want to give each team at least a certain number of these kind of plates or that kind of plates. I, you know, I'm curious what your, what your, not conspiracy theory is, but what your theory is around like how they envisioned the challenge to ensure each team had something to work with yeah I, like i would i would try to put myself in like the shoes of the people designing those initial builds like for smashing i'm like okay if, if this is all the teams are gonna have to work with like let me throw them a couple bones you know let me make sure every team feels like they have access to some fun stuff that's gonna make it easy to kind of accent or add exciting details to the build regardless of what the actual theme of the builds might be i think like even the hosies you talked about they were in like a gray so they're neutral yep. you know they can kind of fit into any type of build regardless 
Um, so I do think those were some smart choices and, and definitely would have been some things I would have been aiming to do. So, uh, yeah, no, I think it's cool to see that there was probably a lot more thought put into what went into each of those builds um, pre-Smash um, so that, you know, each team had some some good stuff to work with. And the nice thing is also like one of the two of the vehicles was a car and the ultimate vehicle would be a car. So, so I do think like, you know, we saw some of the teams had like brake lights and other things like that. And it was probably because the original car had those things. And so, you know, in some ways they had at least the foundation of a car in there <laughs> um, because one of the vehicles was a car. But why don't we jump then into the judging? And, you know, we first find out, you know, um, or, or sorry, let's go in the order. I'm skipping ahead to the race in my notes, but let's go through the order. So the first one here was Nina and Sam. Their build was the green machine and it was built from the donut car and the crocodile boat. And the way Sam describes it, he calls it a pickup truck that has been overgrown, powered by the solar panels in the truck's flower bed. But why don't we kick things off with you, Tacos? What did you think about how Nina and Sam's final build came together? So kind of looked like a Hummer, right? Um, <laughs> slightly. Uh, I loved the idea of the overgrown with the greenery on it and the foliage coming through but i never thought of solar panels i'm like oh my gosh what an interesting way to use those grid pieces i'm not sure what they're called those panels i thought that was really smart to just turn those into you know solar panels i thought that was really clear very clever for sure yeah i mean i think uh you know to your point you know when you only have a certain subset of colors i think they did a good job sort of like justifying the green justifying those you know all the nice um like Lego dots flowers that they were able to do. Um, and it was a really, you know, smart usage of all that. But Nick, you know, how did you think about their final build and how, ever, how everything came together here? I, I think, um, you know, as we've come to expect from, from Sam, Sam and Nina, it's a really, really clean build. Um, they're very good at like hiding how they've kind of constructed their build. You don't necessarily see how they achieved all the interesting angles in them and stuff. Um, and it was very obvious to me, like, and they showed Sam doing kind of a shake test at one point. So you could tell he was really leaning into strength. Um, and, but I do think that may have potentially come at, at a little bit of the cost of like, let's say the whimsy of the build and like the kind of, you know, going a little bit outside of the box, like when, like looking at it now, it is a little bit kind of in that it fits within the traditional box. Eight, as, as uh, talk was described, it has a little bit of a Hummer vibe. Um, so I do think it, it would have been maybe nice had they even just placed the solar panels, like as wings on the side, instead of, you know, in the, in the bed of the truck. Right. Like, but I, I also know, I'm sure, you know, Sam probably thought of that, but was like, oh, if we put it out there, it's going to get smashed in five seconds on the track. Right. And it's always hard to judge like how heavily, you know, will Amy and Jamie be, you know, punishing us if a small part of our build falls off at the cost of it adding more fun to the build, right? So it's a really tough balance to strike, especially when you can unfortunately can't get into Amy's and Jamie's heads and figure out exactly what they're looking for. So you kind of are always balancing, you know, playing that balancing act. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And Amy even talks a little bit about the whimsy. She says, you know, where I could have pushed you a little more was on the solar panels on the back. If they were giant flowers or something fun, it would have helped lean into the video game aspect of this build. And Jamie says, don't overlook those opportunities to add whimsy. So I think to your point, like, like we talked about earlier, like, it's sort of like, what is the most fun, the most outlandish thing that you can create? And I think this does look like, you know, kind of like a militaristic, you know, truck of sorts that just so happened to have a little flower paint job. And to your point, it is clean as a result, because they really nailed the, you know, that cute, that like uh, cute design, the angled shaping. And they even had a lot of great, like, um, vehicle things. Like there's turn signal lights, there's, you know, tail lights, there's a smiley face on the back. Like they had a little bit of the whimsy, but it more feels like a real car 
that had an interesting paint job, not this outlandish mashup car that sort of the challenge was looking to present here. Like I said, it doesn't take away for how talented the, the two of them are, because you know this thing did really survive um, during the actual race. But I think to your point, Nick, like that's the that's the fun of this challenge is sort of taking it to that nth degree and 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 sort of having the most fun expression of what we're doing here. Um, but but listen, another strong showing from Nina and Sam. Why don't we move on then to Christopher and Robert? This was the fantastic flaming Sharkatron. And of course, you know, Christopher, I feel like if, if you're a future contestant taking away sort of like how much fun I assume Christopher and Robert, but let's say Christopher has with the names and his presentation. I think that's always going to earn you points on the show, um, whether it's because the judges know you're having fun because the producers like your energy. I mean, whatever it is, I think it's a good thing to bring. And so he has this announcer voice and he says, this is the fantastic flaming Sharkatron, atomic batteries to power, turbines to speed, missile teeth at the ready, introducing the off-road vehicle with over 10,000 shark power. And, <laughs> um, and then he goes on to say, like Nick said, if the jaw pops off, it's a bug. It's not a bug. It's a feature as it will take a life, take on a life of its own and start to try to gnaw at other people's vehicles. And so to your point, they, they use their sales pitch to cleverly say our jaw might fall off, but it's, it'll be worth it. Um, but why don't we kick it off with you, Nick, this time around? What did you think about how this build finally came together? I, I, I really think they absolutely nailed it. Um, I, I think they were really smart in actually choosing a shark and that a shark is such an iconic thing. Like, you could see the silhouette of a fin in the water and know a shark's coming for it, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's a fear thing, if anything. But like the shark is such a, a classic, iconic silhouette that regardless of how you build that silhouette, I think it it gives a, that the, the impression of what you're trying to create. So when you have a limited set of pieces, as long as you can get that general silhouette across, it doesn't necessarily need to be the best built or the most beautifully constructed or have the perfect balance of colors. It just, as long as it hits that shape, People are going to recognize it. And I think they found the like the best way to do that with the parts they had available. Um, you know, like they had called that in the episode, the way they kind of used black for the structuring, but then just decorated it with a little bit of blue, kind of helped them carry the color further than they would have been able to otherwise. Um, and you can see like some individual parts of the build are actually very plain or not that interesting, but they do enough to convince you of the shape of the shark. And they when when they did have fun pieces, like the tubes you mentioned, they use them really effectively and in very creative ways to just add fun and whimsy to the build. Um, and, it, you know, I think we did see a little bit that it, that kind of came at the cost of some strength. But at the same time, they did drive it around for a few laps without issue, which I think is a credit to that it was decently strong as long as it didn't crash into some other cars. So, um, yeah, I think they just struck the perfect balance of everything you would have wanted from a challenge like this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the other thing is that a shark is an intimidating vehicle. And I think, you know, when you want to sort of give your car a little bit of personality, you know, stealing the personality of an existing thing, you know, without having to come up with uh, it entirely on your own is a, is a good strategy here. Um, and, you know, it was it definitely has that sort of fierce angle, angular design to it that I think was really impressive. But Tacos, what did you think about this? It's like a monster truck. It's it's like <laughs> when I think of a little brother playing with a Tonka truck and a monster and a dinosaur all together, it's just like this ferocious beast. And that's what they're evoking. You know, from the colors to the little flames on the side, I loved everything about this build. The only thing that I can't get past are the gummy uh, teeth because the teeth <laughs> and the gum are the same. So to me, it's a toothless shark. So I think of it as a, a baby shark. I, yes. I, I, I had a rough deal with the dentist last, you know? Like. <laughs> 
So or, or maybe it's a geriatric shark. He needs to put his dentures <laughs> in, um, you know, uh, but no, I, I, I mean, I think to your point, that's like where I think the judges will let it slide. You know, they're like, okay, listen, if they had the white slopes, they would have done it the way they wanted. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think to your point, they added like a lot of those details really added those like studying of colors to break up the build in a nice way. Like the flames are like actually like really quite well constructed. Like even if they had the brick pit, I would have been impressed with the flames. Um, but the thing that Jamie called out, and I think w- which is w- what stood out to me the most, is that everything is really angular. You know, like the jaw comes at an angle, but even the two sides, they, they're angled. You know, they're angled kind of in towards the body of the shark. And I feel like, you know, like we talked about in the last episode um, with Melanie and Allison, one of the critiques was that they couldn't break the square blocky shape of Lego bricks. And I think that, you know, th- that all these teams should be sort of finding those little ways to challenge and- themselves to do that in a slight angle. You know, maybe it doesn't take a ton of extra pieces, but but it adds like sort of this extra layer. I think back even to the um, the lava challenge that Poppy and Ben's build, you know, had these really gorgeous walls that were angled back. And and, it, and it's just like the slightest thing, but it's that just, oh, it's so good. And I think that that's it's those details that I think took this above and beyond, I think, probably where they might have even expected it to go. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it lived up to the hype of the presentation that Chris uh, had for it, I think. Um, but another great showing from Christopher and Robert. Why don't we move on to then Emily and Kelly? They had Stinger, the off-road vehicle. And uh, this is Stinger, the off-road vehicle, Emily says, and she gives a little wink. And Will says, it's delightful, even with the wink. So uh, Will's definitely like, I think Emily's like biggest hype person. You know, he's uh, he's really uh, in her corner there. But she goes on to say, so our vehicle is super cute, but then also super fierce with her stinger back there. So be aware, uh, don't get near me, Christopher. And we see Christopher, they cut to Christopher for another evil laugh. But I do like, um, Emily has done this now, like I think twice saying like, our build is really great. You know, like there was another one where she was like, um, I would definitely like have this build in the top two or she had some sort of quote like that in an earlier episode. Now she's like, so our build's super cute. So, you know, she's telling the judges what to how to judge it she's already telling them what to think about it but i i love the confidence but why don't we kick things off with you tacos on this one what did you think about emily and kelly's build oh i always watch the show with my girl and once again women not women but people who are into cute things we automatically look for the face so right away you can see the face with the high beams and the little smile just it, it right away then you add antennas and then of course you have this big chunky vehicle but then you have like floopy looking wings the wings are adorable so <laughs> i can definitely see like it's it's kind of like a chunky bee with tiny wings or you have like that finding nemo effect it's just it's really adorable like especially like when you see the like the little singer i think they did a good job um it, but once again it is lower than other vehicles, I find, and it's pretty boxy looking. So I feel like it could have been like maybe it's considered a little bit safe, I guess. But it's really I, the antennas. The antennas did it for me. Yes, it, it was all those little details that really like gave this one a lot of personality, which I think was a really strong suit of this build. And I loved to your point about the face, how the eyes are sort of wide and the mouth is really tucked up, you know, like there's, there's a, it's kind of really like elongated in a wide direction, which almost like yeah. gives it even a cuter look. Um, and Nick, you're, you're no stranger to building cute characters out of Lego, but what did you think about Emily and Kelly's build? Totally agree with tacos. I think they nailed all those important characteristics of making something adorable and sweet. 
Um, I do feel like, like Tacos mentioned, you know, they they played it a little bit safe in the boxiness. I do think that might have actually just been sort of a consequence of the uh, the pontoon boat that they choose. They chose, you know, it was a, it was a very boxy kind of shaped build. So while it might have had a good bulk of great, it might have not had a lot to work with in terms of like variety of pieces, which would unfortunately limit you to a more boxy shape with the build. Because um, I feel like, you know, like they did a good job kind of getting some of the stripes in there. There's some yellow stripes on the front as well. Um, which looks nice and and you know the wings are fantastic of course um but i i, I was I, I imagine that they probably were wishing that they had more pieces to maybe even just like add some greebles on the side like use some of those gray plates create some patterns to make it a little bit more interesting like i, I would have hoped that there might be pieces available for that but i have a feeling if the, if they had more available to them they probably would have wanted to do more um but i do like that they managed to at least work in some nice angles around the front to create a little bit more of like an aerodynamic kind of shape there so I, I it seems to me like they maximized what they had as best they could yeah i definitely agree you know i mean i think when you look at like sort of behind the like inside the cab of the vehicle you can see like there's a little bit of yellow there's a little bit of gray and it, it's probably just that they really didn't have much you know like i sort of feel like they couldn't you know they couldn't uh, make it all cohesive so they took the most outward parts made that really clean and cohesive and those angles towards the front like you mentioned nick like that do, that did add at least a little bit of the breaking of the square so if it had to be boxy, at least it wasn't a box, um, which I think is always going to help you and, and and help it do at least a little bit better, which I which I do like. Um, and, you know, Amy did say maybe a few more stripes, but I'm guessing if they could have done it, they would have done it. They probably just literally didn't have a lot of yellow and that banana was really skinny. So there probably wasn't just there wasn't much there there, I'm guessing. But um, a lot of a lot of really smart choices then for Emily and Kelly for what they had. But why don't we move on then to Paul and Neolita? This was the Swamp Road vehicle. And um, th as, the, as the story goes, uh, there's a frog on top that's actually eating a fly off a li lily pad and other swamp details in a lime green in lime green spread throughout. Um, so why don't we start with you, Nick? What did you think of the Swamp Road vehicle? Yeah, I think they did a really good job, especially given like I, I actually did find their choice a little bit of a head scratcher and just like brown is a color that scares me when it comes to Lego and that it can be very hard to <laughs> kind of make interesting and stand out, especially for how everything was described with, you know, the the, the challenge and what they needed to do with them. Uh, I was like, oh, brown, like I would have I would have stayed so far away from brown personally. Um, but like kudos to them for taking on a little bit of a challenge there and going for something um, that you have to kind of, you know, spruce up a bit more. And I do think they did a good job with it. Um, I, I liked their pivot, like from, you know, the um, the little lifesavers on the side, just like, you know, adding a nice clean little pattern with some of the lime green, using that as their accent color. I do think maybe there could have been a little bit more uh, like, like Amy that sort of said, like a, a strategic use of the lime green in terms of like what it was intended to do rather than just kind of being like a color that kind of sprayed on in certain places. Um, you know, it would have been nice to see more of the frog for sure, maybe. And, and, you know, had they picked up on the frog idea a little bit earlier, it could have maybe maybe front and center on like the hood of the car instead of kind of off the back. But I mean, in every single challenge throughout Lego Masters, we all have those things where it's like, oh, of course, like we should have done that. Like that would have been <laughs> way smarter. Like, why do we think of it way sooner? But yeah, and, you know, I, I I think they had a lot of fun with it, and uh, I and I do I do feel like it was a pretty strong build throughout the 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 the, the race portion as well, which you know was a credit to them for for building nice and strong. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think to your point, like the green is almost the lime green for them was like the sprinkles, and I think to your point, if they mm -hmm. like had consolidated all the lime green, it could have been just like the whole hood of the car is green, and I think that color blocking may have actually ha helped it have more presence and more impact in the final design. But I'm glad at least they like they took the note and they and they took a swing at it. They're like, OK, lime green. They want us to do something great. Frog on the back. And so at least 
then the judges don't look at the final bill thinking, oh, Paul and Neilita didn't even listen to us. Um, and so I'm glad that they were able to sort of deliver on those sort of aspects. But uh, Tacos, what did you think? So <clears throat> the build itself, I think, had they put the green away from the white, had they put the white on like the opposite side, it would have made the green pop out more. Mm. So I think that's probably what it is. A lot of it is blending together. So it kind of really hard to de decipher. You know, you have a lot of people that are already colorblind to begin or blind just like myself. Um, but I thought it was pretty interesting when they used the one by one uh, flat studs, to, uh, bricks, um, and they reversed, they placed them strategically around, you know, to add that pop of color. Um, I thought that was actually pretty interesting. But I, once again, I would have not put the green, lime green directly on top of the white because against the brown, it's going to, it's just going to look like all white, actually. So just looking at the pictures and just seeing it on screen, on screen, what seeing in the video, the the show is actually a little bit better than the pictures, um, but just to, to separate the colors just a little bit more. Yeah, true, but you like, want to create those contrast moments. Like you want to make sure that, you know, like Jamie always talks about, you want to have like things for your eye to land on. We want to really create sort of those visual separation. And, and, and I totally agree with you. I think the white and the green do start to blend together as you look at it, especially in the glamour shots with the bright lights and things like that. Maybe the white sort of like overexposes the camera a little bit. So maybe it didn't look exactly like this on the day. But they had a lot of interesting details. They have this big like flower on top, which which I guess was their lily pad. Um, you know, they have um, uh, uh, some nice like, uh, what do you call those? The, um, it's like the fence type pieces with the bars at the front to create the grill. There's headlights in the transparent yellow. So they really did like bring this car to life. It does look like proportionately like the center cab of the truck is uh, is enormous compared to the rest of the car and maybe even should be shifted up if it's meant to look more like a truck or if it's meant to look more like a jeep like so probably felt like proportions were a little bit funny here um but maybe just gives the car a little bit more of a unique personality but uh another strong showing the only other thing i will say um is at the very very front by that grill i was mentioning there are these lime green one by one plates that are stuck in between the studs which if you know anything about lego that is illegal that is an illegal build because it stresses the pieces in a way that that Lego would never allow in an official set. So uh, they got away with an illegal build on the show. Um, and I only say that as a joke because I feel like in the online community, whenever anyone does something like this, everyone loves to point out that that is an illegal technique. Um, but and I'm sure you get that like in your videos and comments, Nick, like, you know, you can't do that. That's illegal. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but kudos to them for sneaking in there. And even like boldly so, it's right at the front, you know? <laughs> exactly. Ain't afraid um, to show it. <laughs> I'm wondering if maybe in the in the full edit, you know, the full, uh, you know, un, unedited version of the judges feedback, if that came up or maybe during their, you know, their judges check in, uh, you know, it's it's on the cutting room floor somewhere. I just know it. Um, but our last team here we have is Lu Lewis and Alex with their Croquetta Mover. And as their story goes, both of our fans are big fans of Croquetas, so we wanted to make a funny and silly vehicle that would fit with the video game. We also have a ketchup racing stripe um, because, we, as we know, Alex, his, you know, he likes to eat his Croquetas with ketchup, um, which he learned is a controversial choice. <laughs> so why don't we kick things off then with you, Tacos? What did you think about this one? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Every time, every time these guys start talking, I get hungry, which is not good for my waistline. But I, this was an adorable vehicle. I, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see on the show, on, on, on the video game. These are the kind of, you, you had a banana vehicle. You had a donut vehicle. Of course, we're going to have a croqueta. You know, just a little ketchup spout at the top. I thought that was hilarious. 
you know, I think it was a great use of choice, although we had a controversy, which it looked like the sub to begin with. So, um, but uh, once again, if I were to build a vehicle, I have to think about the physics. So going from the first episode where they're building a boat, thinking about the physics of the boat going around the, the stream or whatever you call that, the water pool and going around the track, you're going to think about the same physics. So I'm, I'm wondering as to why they went up so high compared to their first build, which was so low to the boat itself. So I'm just interested yeah. in that. I know it's tough. Like, I think when you only have so many parts and the sub sandwich had a ton of these, I'm guessing like two by brick in the dark tan color, it would probably it was probably hard to not use it. But my thought was, you know, you had that beautiful red car and I sort of felt like I would I would have made it. You know, they always talk about like on the food. I always compare this show sometimes to the food shows like, you know, and, and the same production company does MasterChef. But a lot of times they'll be like, this was a great dish, but was squid the star? You know, like they'll be like, was Squid the star of the dish? And so I sort of feel like they made Dark Tan the star of the dish. And I think they should have made Red the star of the dish because that would have at least allowed it to sort of live in a world as separate from the sub as possible. Um, but it may not have offered them as many pieces. So you're a little darned if you do, darned if you don't. But Nick, what did you think? Yeah, I do feel like I'm kind of touching on what Tacos was saying at the end there in terms of the physics. Like that chassis is is a very non-Lego thing, you know, like the challenge producers or whatever would have MacGyvered some Lego onto it. <laughs> um, but, but that might mean it's not the easiest thing to work around. So I, I could see why a team might kind of stumble their way into a very top heavy build and that. It's like, especially having a lot of just two by four bricks as your main kind of base, it's like, you can't really like, you know, mold those around an existing thing very well. So you're kind of like, let's just bring it above and then we can build however we want with it, right? Um, in terms of the overall build, like I do think they did a fantastic job. It, it's like, if I could just delete the memory of the sub and then look <laughs> at this as it is, as its own thing, like I think they nailed it for the challenge. Like, I love the way they kind of turned it into a food truck. Like, it's just such a fun concept to to see. But it's also impossible to ignore, unfortunately, that like we we have that image of the sub in our head. So it's really, really hard to kind of look past that. But I do think there are a lot of great details, um, you know, the little signage, the the details on the top, kind of how they framed out the little side window. Um, you know, the fact that it's got like a very nice kind of, you know, very visual and apparent cockpit up at the front or like, you know, kind of like a front windshield area type thing. Um, I think that's all really, really well done. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just so sad that it, it landed in a place that just made it look so, so similar to what it first was. Yeah, I know it's, it's, uh, it's almost like, um, you know, those chassis, they do sort of define the scale in a lot of ways. And so like, it sort of has mm -hmm. to be longer. Okay. So if we make it longer, then it's going to look elongated like the sub. And so, uh, the other thing I, that I'm reminded of is in my, all my postseason interviews for season two, they talked about, to your point, those MacGyvered bases. And, and at least during that time, they mentioned how a lot of it wasn't in system because they had sort of just stuck on some pieces. And so it was actually sometimes hard to get things to fit together because the studs weren't lined up the way they would be in a normal Lego set. So my hope is that they've gotten wise to that and that wasn't the issue here, but you just never know. And so maybe a lot of people had to do some clever things to get it the way it was, whereas the, as they didn't have the parts to do said clever things. But I think to your point, Nick, like, in a vacuum, if this was the build with no inspiration, this would have been a really fun build and, and, and a good fit for the game. I think to your point, it's just hard. It's hard to forget it. Um, and so I think, you know, like we talked about with like sorting all the pieces out, you know, there was some pieces in colors for the, you know, the toppings of the sub. There was the red in, in the car. I think I would have been trying similar to what we talked about with Paul and Nita with the Nealita with the lime green. How do I extract more of those colors and use them to create 
bolder statements, you know, stripes or other things to break up the build. Maybe then they could have still had a bunch of dark tan, but it would have been like more obvious, these red sections or whatever to break it up. Um, but but it was it was a it was a fun showing from from Lewis and Alex. And we always love when we see people put their personality into things. But we, of course, have to move on to the race. And this was definitely like a pretty like high intensity thing, I have to imagine, uh, just with so many cars bouncing around the track. And like you were saying, Nick, the track was far more interesting. There was, you know, there's multiple paths. There was like a fork in the road. There was parts where you could go above or you could go below. So it, it was kind of like Mario Karty in that way where, you know, you could have gotten around, or I should say it was very Lego 2K drive of them because you could get around other vehicles. And, and it sort of made it, it at least a little bit more of a level playing field uh, with it not being a level track. But we did see that the pole position was awarded to the best looking mashup vehicle, which was Christopher and Robert. And Will says the team that crosses the finish line first will also automatically enter the top two and that the performance on the course will help the Brickmasters decide who ends up in the bottom two. And then the final kind of rule based component was that there's also a pit crew. So essentially the partner that wasn't driving in the event that something flipped over, they could get in there, flip the car back up and get it back on the road. Um, you know, to use Mario Kart as another um, metaphor, you know, the other person was like Lakitu, you know, the one who like when you fall off, gets you on the fishing rod and brings you back onto the track. Um, that's what it reminded me of. But the order that we saw, you know, in the pole position, Christopher and Robert, then Nina and Sam, Paul and Nilita, Lewis and Alex and Emily and Kelly bringing up the rear. But, you know, I have a little bit of a play by play here. But before we jump into it, high level thoughts, tacos. What did you think about seeing the race? You know, we've seen all the builds. We've gotten to this point and there was still like a lot of time in the episode to see this epic race. Was it as epic for you uh, as it seemed to be on screen? I got to say, you know, um, I'm sure they did not see the track before the build, before building this stuff, just because the track is enormous. As you saw, it was as big as a stage. Like it was <laughs> it was a little overwhelming. And my biggest observation, my first observation is that it wasn't brick built. You notice yeah. that? Like I saw like greenery, like I saw moss, fake moss. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to have to actually go over real mounds. So yeah, they were able to get these elevations and you really have to know how to drive a remote control vehicle, you know, to do that. And if you've never really had that kind of experience, if you're not used to gaming or this, you know, it could be, it could be really difficult. It could really be difficult. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing is that they had to do six laps around, which for me, like, you know, most racing games, I feel like it's three laps. And so to do six, uh, it's it sort of like the endurance part of the competition where like your build really did have to stand up because it was going to have to make it around six full times. And that often meant even passing people who were on previous laps and getting into tussles with them. Um, but Nick, what did you think about the race? Yeah, I, I, I do think it was uh, kind of the chaos they were they were hoping to have. Um, <laughs> very reminiscent of Lego TK Drive in terms of, you know, a big part of the game is actually smashing into the competition and obliterating their vehicles. And, you know, obviously Christopher <laughs> was fully embracing that. And I think we, we saw a little bit of it from every team, really. They were all getting into the spirit, except for Emily, of course, who just wanted Christopher to leave her alone. Um, so, yeah, no, there was a ton of fun there and it, but i will throw out um while obviously you know and, and i do support them not building the track out of lego because that would have been a hell of a lot of bricks to, <laughs> to to build a fully lego track and it would have limited them severely in terms of elevation and stuff but i do think some of the elements of the track were brick built i'm pretty sure the bridge was 
Um, there were some elements there. If you look very closely, I'm quite confident were Lego. I don't know, Michael, can you back me up on that? I, 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 I don't have that in my notes. I have everything else but that. But uh... Uh, <laughs> Okay, well, I might just be crazy. Who knows? Um, but uh, <laughs> I do think it was really interesting seeing that the the bridge and then like the underbridge area, like those were pretty height limiting as well. So I feel like, you know, a team like Lewis and Alex was such a tall build. I would have like seen that track and go, oh no, like our build won't even go through the track, let alone like survive turns on it and stuff. So um, yeah, hopefully they were maybe at least provided like a height limitation or like some reference. So they knew not to build over a certain height, but I know sometimes things like that kind of slip through the cracks and then you get some surprises when you get to the race. So, um, <laughs> and, and I think we saw a lot of surprises happen all throughout. <laughs> this is fantastic. This was like, I, lo- I absolutely loved seeing them race. Actually, yes. you noticed Nina and Sam. Sam was the first one to, to initiate the crash. Yeah, right right at the gate, we see a huge crash, crash at the start. Um, we see um, Paul and Yolita's build gets knocked into the side and sort of like rides up the wall. Nina and Sam's actually falls over right away. And then Lewis and Alex, probably just because they were just in that, you know, um, it's like when, when one car hits another, then another hits that one. So they they actually fall over too. And since Christopher was in that pole position, he gets out to that very early lead and he's actually able to complete the first lap sort of like unobstructed. But, uh, you know, he gives a good quote where he says, uh, now it's time to go aggro mode. And he immediately and intentionally <laughs> uh, smashes into Lewis and Alex's build into into um, Nina and Sam's build. Uh, he says the shark is hungry for blood. And then we see him get blocked by um, Paul and Neolita's build, because I think to your point, Nick, like. Some of these like cor- these like corridors and other stuff of the track, you know, if you if you if you all if you got there second and someone was struggling with their car, you actually couldn't pass them because um, the the paths were so narrow. Um, so you know, he like literally starts like pushing uh, Neolita's car at one point through the finish line as she finishes her first lap and continues pushing her into the rest of the course. Uh, and we even see her try to do some little move to like back into him to knock him out of the way. Um, but he's but. You know, he's able to overtake Nina and Sam. We see Lewis and Alex. They're in last place. They keep falling over. And then finally, Christopher falls over. We see the tail fall off. You know, Christopher's so into it. So he just screams out, no, Robert, Robert. And then the top jaws falling off. And Neolita has a chance to catch up as they're heading into lap three. Uh, You know, then we see sort of it fast forward because I think Christopher and Neolita were just sort of they were the ones having the easiest time. So we see Christopher get his fourth lap. Then Neolita gets to her fourth lap. And um, but she suffers this fall. And so uh, Christopher tries to like keep the lead. But there's this bottleneck under the bridge where Lewis and Alex and Emily and Kelly, that you know, they're all just getting stuck in there. And Chris is like literally like backing up and trying to smash through. Um, and uh, and, you know, it was just that's when we get that. Christopher, Christopher, stop, Christopher. Um, and uh, Christopher gives a quote. I like to be a force of chaos in life. And I think I did that in this race. Um, it was a net chaotic modifier placed on everyone. I, I don't know where Christopher comes up with these, these phrases, but it's always entertaining. And then finally, uh, you know, you know, Christopher is able to, you know, get up on the top part, take the bridge. Neolita can't get by Emily who falls over under the bridge. Um, and we see in the background, they never mention it, but the croqueta is missing the whole half top, like the whole like top part of the croqueta had just fallen off. But we finally see Christopher gets the win. He says, we devoured the competition. And in the leaderboard, we see it goes Christopher and Robert, then Paul and Neolita, Nina and Sam, Emily and Kelly, and Lewis and Alex bring up the rear. This was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, Hopefully my play-by-play made any sense to anyone, but um, it was a lot of fun. But 
you know, interestingly, when we have the results of a challenge, we usually get a top two and a bottom two, but we didn't get a top two this time. Uh, you know, Jamie says there was one clear winner in this challenge, and I'd like to congratulate Christopher and Robert. Uh, you know, just right off the bat, uh, Will says you finished first in the off-road race and you worked and you wowed the Brickmasters with their favorite build based, based on aesthetics. You basically broke the competition. Tacos, what did you think? You know, it, it was sort of hard to deny. Uh, you know, Christopher and Robert this time around. I was rooting for them this entire time. <laughs> I like mayhem. I love the chaos. Give me like carnage. That's that's what I was looking for. So like, yeah, hands down, it was just entertaining to see. I watch a show called Cutthroat Kitchen and it is yeah. all about cutting off the other chefs, you know, and having them improvise and just seeing uh, the host, like he's he acts like another Will Arnett style you know, um, so yeah, I, I, I loved it. It was hilarious. Yes. That's a fun show with Alton Brown. That's a really fun one. Um, but, um, you know, Jamie goes on to say, yeah, you had a model that really stood out. It was imaginative. It was cleverly built. Uh, and you had some really playful features that'll show up amazingly well in the game. And we see Christopher start to like, even get like a little emotional. You know, he said, you know, I have to be honest, this prize is more important to me than winning the entire thing. He says, I mean, it's so cool because I've played every Lego game. I'm the biggest Lego fan. And I think a lot of people here listening would at least like to challenge you on who's the biggest Lego fan, Christopher. But um, uh, and I ha and having something that we've made in an official Lego game, my mind is just blown right now. And so, you know, Nick, what did you think about Christopher and Robert's win here? And I feel like this is now like the second time in a row that we've seen like Christopher, uh, for lack of a better phrase, have a human moment that I think is pretty refreshing to see on the show. No, I, I don't. I totally think it's really, really nice. I'm glad they're like letting him break character here and there so he can be a little <laughs> bit more personal and share those like stories that, you know, kind of help drive you to put together your best builds, right? Because especially when you can find some deep personal meaning, um, that'll go a long way to give you some really nice fuel for for a build and a challenge. Um, and I do totally support that they didn't bother with the top two. I, I really do think their build was head and shoulders above the rest of the competition for this challenge. Um, they just found that perfect combination of styling, techniques, um, you know, it raced well, like just everything you could want from a build for this challenge. They had ticked the boxes perfectly. And I, I think, you know, other builds obviously had a couple of the boxes, but just not all of them. So it was just one of those where there wasn't like that debate that you normally need to have. So yeah, kudos to them for just uh, putting together a very masterful build for this challenge. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you were talking, it just made me think like, like when you're thinking about a car for the game, like the shark car is like, it's a thing, you know, whereas I sort of feel like all the other ones were like a truck with this, a this with that, you know, like it wasn't, it didn't have that sort of, I mean, maybe the B did a little bit, but the vehicle, but I feel like more people should have been thinking about the branding. <laughs> um, and so they really had it all. So it was very exciting to see um, and great to see them get uh, two wins now back to back uh, from the, you know, designer handbag challenge to now this. So, the, you know, these two are, uh, you know, you, you want to be heating up here going into the semifinals. I, I think this is a great place to be uh, sailing into the top four with. But, you know, from where, where there's the top one, there's the bottom two here. And the bottom two were Lewis and Alex and Emily and Kelly. For Lewis and Alex, Jamie said, this was a challenge about transformation. And we ultimate and ultimately, sorry, and unfortunately, we saw too much of your original submarine in your finished model. And for Emily and Kelly, Amy just, <laughs> I'm, it's clear they cut her off um, in the edit, but <laughs> all she says was, it was clear that you struggled with the limited brick selection. That's it. That's all Amy was able to say in the edit. And so that told me everything about how this challenge is going to end, where Lewis and Alex are the team that we say goodbye to. 
And, you know, this is a really sad sort of, um, you know, I feel like fall from grace because I feel like Lewis and Alex, they were on the up and up uh, up until even just last episode where they they finally started to struggle. But Tacos, like, what are your thoughts here now as we have to say goodbye to a really great team here in the final five? Well, no, no team leaving is ever nice. Like, I've, I've cried for every episode. I, I'm, I'm that dork that cries for every episode. Every <laughs> team leaves, you know. Um, it's it's hard to see them go. Um, but look at how much they were able to get accomplished. Um, I'm just really hoping that the next episode, every episode makes me not forget about the team that just left, but it makes me happy and joyful again. You know what I mean? It doesn't have me just thinking about, all right, who was just let go? Like when I was eliminated, um, the following episode was the puppy one. So, you know, like all of a sudden my heart was full again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so seeing the last, uh, the Brick Sheik challenge, seeing the ladies leave, you know, having this like, like chaos and craziness, you know, like didn't make up for that. But, you know, it, it entertained me. It grabbed me for that one hour. It had me, you know, at every second. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I appreciate what everything that they brought, their their flavor, their 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 experience, their their tenacity. Um, but it, it just drives me to look forward to the next episode. Yeah. And, and these two are really a unique team. You know, we, like I said, we saw a lot of who they are in their culture. You know, we saw them making their cafecita. We saw here again, the croquetas. Uh, and we saw maybe more of Alex than we wanted to. But no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, this team really, I think, brought a lot of themselves to all the challenges. Uh, Nick, what do you think about Lewis and Alex as we say goodbye? I I, I was um, like, I feel like they, they maybe had a little bit of a slower starter. They were kind of finding their footing, like their first challenge build. I remember like, Felt a little bit, you know, un, I'm going to be honest, unremarkable, but I was blown away by like when they found their stride, like how amazing their builds were. That like classroom with the monkeys, just like what an iconic piece. Like that's unforgettable. I'm um, so, so beautiful. And I feel like um, kind of, you know, their last two, the last two episodes, they were obviously struggling a little bit more, kind of going for things, but like kind of missing the mark in, in one way or another um, might be a little bit reflective of just what a marathon the, the show is in general. Um, like, you know, we're, we're, what is it like six weeks into watching the show, but they're probably only like three or four weeks into filming the series. Right. So take all of that exhaustion intensity and compile it into such a short amount of time. Um, and it really does take a toll on your ability to just kind of put your best builds forward sometimes. Um, so, you know, it's just really, really, you know, unfortunately sad to see that, like, sometimes the downfall of the team is just like their inability to kind of keep momentum going from, you know, when they find their, their strength. Um, so I don't, I don't think like, you know, their last two bills is, you know, like they're, they're not, obviously they're one, they're not awful. They're, they were great builds regardless. And two, like, it's not a reflection of them as builders. It's more just a reflection of like the fact that sometimes it's just hard to keep that momentum going in such an intense environment. Yeah. And you know, it's tough. Like Lewis and Alex, they didn't get to pick their cars. You know, they were the last team. So they were sort of like, mm -hmm. they were stuck with what they were stuck with. And, and again, we talked about it. Part of what they were stuck with was a lot of dark tan. And so, you know, this is sort of the direction they went. They also didn't, you know, they ended up in last in the, in the race. So, it, you know, it, I think it would, even if, you know, with all the potential of this amazing team, I, I just don't think the, the evidence piled up, you know, for Jamie and Amy and, and, and I'm sure it was just, you know, it's like, it was too much to ignore and they, and they had to send them home, but it was great to see the two of them as they left. You know, Lewis says, it's been amazing. Alex and I are obviously coworkers, but I almost got a new brother here. So this is the best thing I could have ever done and the best partner I could have had. And honestly, it's not just Alex. It's 22 other amazing people that we got to become family with. And, you know, Taco's like, I know, you know, you feel very similarly about the people on your season. 
you know, it's it, like this, is, there's something really special here, you know, for these builders and that, you know, the fact that they can, you know, especially like, I feel like Lewis just walked away with like such grace. I feel like he was like, you know, he was obviously like upset, but I think he was, you know, at peace because of the, the really positive experience he had. So, you know, talk to us like, you know, you know, what's that like when you, when you have to say goodbye, but you also know you're taking away a lot of really special people and memories with you. So uh, I teach STEM with Lego. So <clears throat> it comes up every couple of months. Hey, tacos, you lost. You didn't win. <laughs> and so I, I always have to tell the students, you know, you get to play with Lego. It's like you go to the carnival. You don't get to win every game, but you get the opportunity to go to the carnival and play the games. So that's how I view it as. I get to meet Nick. I get to meet Stacy. I get to meet all these people. I get to meet Will, you know what I mean, and hug him. So not everyone has that. <laughs> you know, I can say that, but you know what I mean? I get to be part of this brand, this branch, this family. And it's just, it's really uh, fulfilling, I guess. Fulfilling is the word. So it's just awesome. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we also had to get a good teacher joke at the end. You know, Lewis says, I give us an A plus for what we've done here. And Alex, you know, without skipping a beat, says, uh, I'm a bit of a tougher grader than uh, Lewis. So I would say A minus because, you know, we didn't get to the finish line. But, um, you know, they 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 go on to talk about how their daughter and their son and Lewis's daughter, you know, Alex's son are going to be so proud of them. And these two definitely have a ton to be proud of. But I think, you know, like Taco said, you know, as we say goodbye to one team, it only gets us more excited for the next episode. And we did get a bit of a preview. Um, and interestingly, he says, for the semifinal challenge, you're building roller coasters. And, you know, we've seen some people attempt roller coasters on the seasons multiple times. You know, most famously, Timbertown in season one, the roller coaster fails during the judging. We see even um, Nina and Sam this season attempted a roller coaster track where the vehicle just flew off the side. It never made it around the turn. So roller coasters are very exciting in Lego, but there's a reason why you know, Lego, when they produce them, they spend months engineering them to be repeatable and, and stable and all those sort of things. So, Nick, you know, if, if this was you and Stacy and you were given, you know, at the final four of roller coaster challenge, is this something you'd be excited about or is this something you'd be scared for? Terrified. Absolutely terrified. I <laughs> saw the roller coaster and I went, they did not make a roller coaster challenge. They are not forcing teams to attempt to figure out months worth of engineering that normally is required to make something like this work and do it in a short span under the intensity and pressure of Lego Masters. I'm like, I, I'm, I'm genuinely shaking my head at this one going, man, if I got this challenge, how not happy I would have been about it. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, I guess in a sense, you know, you, you'd hope it'll be at least an equal playing field and that I don't think it's very common that people have a lot of experience with especially engineering roller coasters from scratch. It's very different. Like even if you have built, let's say the Lego roller coaster sets once or twice, it's probably not sticking in the memory, you know, how they engineered the mechanics to make the little carts go up the track before it drops off. Like there is so much, you know, kind of fine tuned detailed building required for it that I do think it is going to be a fair challenge, but oh man, yeah, just, just terrified for for them. I'm, I, I feel awful for, for all four teams who had to face that challenge. <laughs> And we see everyone is struggling. I mean, like this was like, in some ways, um, it, you know, the next episode looked really chaotic. So maybe for tacos, that means fun. But for me, it looked almost like, like I was, I was feeling for every team. Cause like we see a scene where Emily's struggling, where Christopher's struggling, where Paul and Nalita are struggling. Like it, like it, it was like, is anyone having fun here? You know? So part of me is like the hard part about this challenge is, you know, like we talked about, they want you to be ambitious. 
But the more ambitious you go, particularly with a Lego roller coaster, the more problems you introduce, maybe uniquely different problems than any other Lego Masters challenge. So Taco is like, what was your thoughts seeing all this? And, you know, what, 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 what are your how are you feeling about the team's chances here? Well, I just want to know, like, what's the height, you know, um, that they want you to build it at? Because gravity doesn't favor anyone. You know, the physics has to be right when it comes to this. So uh, I'm just waiting to laugh. I'm sorry to say it like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, not not like, haha, you messed up, but like, it's just going to be more chaos. So I'm really hoping that, you know, Christopher does, you know, really perfect that maniacal laugh. Yes, he might need it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be a unique one. And, you know, of course, you know, the final four on your season, you know, was the water challenge. They don't go easy on these people in the final four. Like you got to really earn your way to the finale. Um, but you know, we're getting really close. So Nick, you know, we've been doing this at the end of every episode, but who are you rooting for? Who are you excited to see in just these last two episodes? You know, like who who do you think's got the chance here? I, I do think um, Christopher and Robert have some great momentum to keep building off of right now. So if they can, you know, kind of continue to tap into the things that have allowed them to have success there, they could absolutely make a strong run towards the finale. Um, I do think it's hard to ignore Sam and Nina's consistency throughout the season. I feel like they really only had one major miss being the volcano challenge. Um, and I think that was just like a case of getting a little overambitious with what they wanted to do. Their mountain was massive, unnecessarily so. Um, <laughs> and we've obviously seen some incredible things like the 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 um, cuckoo clock, of course, being just like unbelievable that that was something that was pulled off in like a standard like a master's challenge and isn't like a finale build. So yeah, they have some huge potential. And like, I think, you know, but like every team, Paul and Nalita have pulled out a lot of surprises, like the way they built their bag and obviously got that, got them into the top two. Like they're showing that when they, when they find their groove, they can really, really nail some builds and do some cool things with them. Um, and yeah, Emily and Kelly have also like, you know, they've had those surprise challenges too. Like they're clarinet, brilliant. Like, right. Like when they get the right challenge, you know, like things can go really, really well for them. So who knows, maybe they have an early struggle, but maybe they find their group with this one and they really nail it. So it's it's really anybody's game to get into the finale right now. Absolutely. And, and listen, like, like that's the fun part of the show. Like, like, it wouldn't be fun if it was like a runaway, like, oh God, you know, Jim and Joe, they're just going to win the whole thing, you know, whatever it is. Uh, you know, I think like it's more fun when it feels like it could be close, like it could go any other way. But Taco's like, who are you rooting for as we go into this next one? This is a hard one. It's hard to sift, you know, the 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 builders. Like they're all so amazing. I like I keep going back to the brick or real. What's it called? Is it brick? Challenge? Yeah, is it brick? Like seeing the the telescope. Holy cow! Like seeing the Alita and Paul like build that. I was I I was so happy for them. Um, seeing the grant the seeing how everyone pulled together to build the rug together. You know, it it really does say a lot about everyone as you know, as a cast, but, um, but to be able to pick a rug, you know what I mean? It was the largest build <laughs> to, to make. It was not the best choice. So right there, there was a, there was a bit of a miss, like, what was it? It was actually Christopher that conned them into it. Yeah. So, yeah. Once again, that, that, that guy, I swear. I'm actually hoping that, that Emily gets him back somehow in this next episode. I'm not going to lie. So, um, but it's hard. It's hard. You know what I mean? I I, I got to meet Sam and uh, I, I got to see some of his builds. Like, you know, like I, I got to actually like meet him. I got to see some of his builds and, you know, he he's a pretty talented guy. So I don't know. 
I don't know. My 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 bets on them for now. I know they certainly have the consistency, and I, I I mean, listen, the trailer goes so quickly. They're the only people that I don't know if we specifically saw struggling here. So maybe you know, to Nick's point about all the mechanisms in their cuckoo clock, maybe they have what it takes to build the roller coaster, or maybe in some ways how they struggled in the lava challenge with the roller coaster helped them prototype a little bit and makes them a little more ready for this one. We'll have to wait and see, but. That brings us to the end of our podcast. So I just want to say a huge thank you to Nick and Tacos. This was honestly so much fun. And I think to your point, Tacos, like, you know, saying goodbye to teams, but also getting a chance to talk to you makes me always more excited for the next episode. So thank you both so, so much. And of course, everyone's going to want to know what you're both up to and where they can find you after the podcast. So Nick, why don't we kick it off with you? What are you up to and where can people find all the fun things you're doing? Uh, I'm admittedly not doing a lot lately. I'm, I'm in the middle of a move. I'm going to be moving my studio. So uh, things are a little bit quiet for me. But uh, if you do want to find me and, and you know, keep up with me when I do get kind of back started into the swing of things, um, I'm on every social as Brick and Nick, B-R-I-C-K-I-N-N-I-C-K. Um, so yeah, if you want to check out my stuff, please do. Um, and just thank you, of course, for having us. Tacos, it was such a pleasure to get to do this alongside you. Always a great time when we get to hang out. Um, so yeah, just so much fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like I, like I said at the top, pleasure is totally ours. And um, listen, if, if you want to have a chance to almost have a you know podcast-like experience with Nick, you know, when he gets back on Twitch, you could hang with him for hours like I get to. So, um, you know, that's always a fun time too. But uh, Tacos, what are you up to and where can everyone find you? Um, I still teach STEM with Lego. Um, I, I travel a lot. I now am part of Brick Fan Fest. So you see me doing stem workshops uh with uh geared up stem with uh season one Corey samuels and uh yeah we 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 do this like all throughout the southern states i would have to say but uh if you want to follow me on social media lego tacos burritos you know uh <laughs> yes uh, yes us with lego so yeah i apologize for that so lego tacos burritos yeah you could see some of my quirky nerdy adventures and, and, and sometimes sometimes i twitch sometimes yes well maybe, maybe that means you got to do more of it so we can all hang out with you but um but lots of great stuff from the two of you and just a huge thank you again like you know i, I don't say it as a as just something to say on the podcast this was so so much fun and just thank you so much for being so generous through your time for us thanks for having us i'm re- missing your faces it's so much fun such a great time hope people have fun listening thanks so much it was so much fun to get to break down this awesome episode with nick and christine and i just can't believe that we're heading into the semi-finals next week next up in your podcast feed i'll have my exit interview with lewis and alex and of course don't forget to tune in next saturday as we break down episode nine with another panel of your favorite former lego masters contestants and with us heading into the home stretch of the season, you're definitely going to want to stay subscribed to make sure you don't miss out on anything. And if you haven't already, be sure to leave the podcast a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as it just really helps others find the podcast. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. If you want even more Lego content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the Lego news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at Talk and if you want to follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook, it's Talk Bricks Masters. And on Twitter, it's TB Masters. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys next time. 